Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand. I have a message for you today that you will like. It's called How to Do It Right. The chance to do it right, the chance to fix things. This is a good message for you. Sometimes in life you mess up, but then it's wonderful to know how to get up. But you've got to be willing to do something new. So stay with me. Get your Bible ready. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to start today. It's going to be good stuff. You don't want to miss it. I got a lot to say today. Stay right there and enjoy. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're back. Listen, this has been an incredible season for our church, an incredible season for our country. A lot's going on. I'm glad you're joining me. I am thrilled to have you uh, be a part of our life. There's a lot in our minds these days. I mean, this has been an incredible season where you're sitting there trying to figure out how do I think, right? What do I do? And there, there are so many people that are confused, especially um, a lot of religious people, a lot of Christians, a lot of uh, evangelicals or I have friends of mine. They said they pray, they prophesied and things have not turned out like they thought. Uh, they were so committed. And uh, I think that's um, that's OK. Sometimes you learn from disappointment that maybe I need to see the world differently. And so rather than assuming the devil is out to destroy you and everything is bad because you didn't get what you wanted or who you wanted to win didn't win. Maybe you could pause and remember what the Bible says. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So just because your candidate did not win doesn't mean that you should feel that way because you said the Bible said all things work together for the good. And this is all things, right? This is all things. So you need to pause for a minute and gather yourself and say, you know, okay, this is okay. We don't need to storm the Capitol. We don't need to do all of that. We don't need to go in and, and, and not, not be honest about what happened in the election. We don't need to go through any of those changes. We need to lay all that down. Lay all that down. Wait a minute. Wait, lay it all down. All things work together for the good. Okay. And even if you feel you're seeing this incredible rise in tensions and all the things we're seeing, remember, all things work together for the good. So if that's the case, then you might want to pause for a minute and just reflect and gather yourself, gather yourself. And I personally believe that one of the benefits of this season, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, is now, you know, uh, you know where people are. You can't heal what you can't see. And sometimes we're living in a land of fantasy. And I think a lot of us have been. I know I have been to some degree as a pastor. I never thought certain things would happen. I never thought Christians would think certain ways and act certain ways. I never thought I never dreamed it. But now we're here. I never thought our leaders uh, of the Christian community would say certain things. Never, ever, 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 never, 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 never. And, but those things happen. And so since they happen, then we have to learn how to manage them. And we have to learn how to see forward. We have to learn how to manage forward. Um, there is a series I want to mention that I'm going to be doing on Wednesday night that's coming up. And if you're watching this and you're not watching that Wednesday night, what I'm going to do is a sermon series I'm going to do. And it's a really an interesting uh, in, interaction time for us because I, I'm going to talk about Christ and how he viewed Christ as a servant leader and how Christ compared to the religious leaders of his day. And I want to compare the two. And I want to show you that Christ was a true servant leader and that his greatest challenge was with, was with religious people, that we have a way of thinking, a way we've been trained to think that makes it very difficult for God to reach us. Very stubborn, very hard, very difficult. So it will be on the screen and tell you when you can join me for that teaching and the name of it. So if you're watching it post this event, then you can watch it on demand. But the name will be up on the screen for you. And so I want you to think about this. We as a people can easily get lost. 
Uh, I heard a quote the other day that was pretty profound. Um, he he, he uh, uh, said that Mark Twain said this. I don't know, but it was an interesting quote. Here's what he said. He said, sometimes the greatest challenge is easy. I'm sorry, I'll start again. He said, it's easier to deceive people than to convince people that they have been deceived. It's easier to deceive people than to convince people that they have been deceived. We tend to hold on to ways of thought and we think we're right. But as long as you think you're right, you never can be right. Sometimes when you come to a, a dead end and you realize I was wrong in the way I managed my money, I was wrong in the way that I dealt with my marriage or relationship, I was wrong. That's a chance for you to do it right. That's a, that's a chance for you. It's like the Lord's bringing you some new wine and new wineskins, which brings me to my text, Mark chapter two. And I want to read a verse to you that is part of a series that I'm in right now. And I'm calling it good home training. Every year I try to answer one question. Why? Because people don't remember everything you say. If you have too many questions, <laughs> you know, after church, you say, what did he say? I don't know what he said. So I'm trying to keep it simple. So here's my question for the year. How do you live in a new world? How do you live in a world where things have changed so drastically in so many ways overnight? Well, the first thing you need is some good home training. That's the first thing you need. And you need to learn how to be alone by yourself with nobody with you, just you and just managing your life. You have to learn how to be isolated. The money and the power is in isolation. Some of you want people around you all the time. You're going to stay broke. You're going to stay in trouble. You're not going to ever have much because you've got to always be with somebody. That's the bad. You got to have a man always. You just get you any kind of man. What you doing? Come here. You just you get anybody and you can't you can't keep getting anybody. Stop getting anybody. Some of you see anybody sitting next to me right now. Stop it. Don't say that. <laughs> just get anybody. Don't do that. You need to learn how to be by yourself. Self-entertain. I love that. My wife says that a lot, too. You know, it's self-entertain. Learn how to be by yourself. Really important. Secondly, you need to learn how to prioritize. We talked about that. The importance of priorities. You have, to, you have to come to the point where you know this goes first and that goes second. This is the time to sacrifice. Uh, in college, you know, studying is part of the sacrifice. You learn how to, I, gotta, I have to study right now. I have to make sure that I'm, I'm applying myself. In order to do my job, there's lots of time I have to say I can't come out to play. I have to go to work. I have things I have to get done by certain deadlines. And so understanding the power of that. And then thirdly, today we're going to talk about you have to learn how to make wise choices. You have to be wise. And you have to say this is a time to make better choices. There's nothing about smart, there's nothing about smart living that changes everything. I have learned from my mistakes. I have benefited from being foolish. I have benefited from being, I don't like the word stupid. I don't, I don't, I don't use that word. But between me and you, I'll just say I was unwise. That's, I can't say stupid, but just hang with me. I, 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 there are moments when I look back and I go, that was just dumb, dude. That was just dumb. <laughs> why did you spin like that? Why did you, why did you do that? I often talk about how some of you, when you go in the mall or when you go wherever you walk and somebody call your name and you say, you, say, you look at them and you go, did I really date that person? Good God Almighty. And then if they call your name, you know, I, <laughs> hey, girl, hey, remember me? You know, you say, oh, is that, is that him? And you don't even want to look around, but it's really him. Or is that her? You look at her and I, 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 you know, I've done this. I don't know if you've done it. You know, you, you, people you just had to have, 
years ago, you just and then you, you, you go, oh, boy, I'm so glad I didn't get what I want. I prayed for <laughs> now. I'm thinking, man, and it's not just their looks. It's the life. It's what my life would have been if I'd gone in that direction and how how important it is to 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 be clear that there are some times in my life when no was good for me. God had a bigger plan and a better plan for me, a wiser plan. And sometimes we resist that. But God's trying to help us. So let me show you a verse. Mark chapter two. Okay. Chapter two, verse 21. Here's what it says. This is a good verse. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new pieces will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. New wine into new wine skins. In other words, you have to start over. You can't, if you, if you, want, to, if you want to do things right, if you want a chance to do it right, you have to do something new. And that's what this verse is about. So if you're, if, you're, if you're living in a new world, which is what we're talking about today, how do you live in a new world? Then you have to be willing to do things new, do things in a new way. And that's part of what should happen at home. Good home training, good training in your church, good training teaches you how to do something new, how to be isolated, how to set priorities and how to make wise choices, how to say, I've got to make smart choices. I, I can't make the choices I made before. There are three things that I think... Um, that are amazing in this text that would help any leader, any family, any leader. The first thing is this. The new will pull away from the old. That's what he said. New, new, new. And he uses this interesting analogy that you may not relate to as much because culturally you don't have these kind of tools necessarily, wineskins and all that. But notice the point is, he says, you have to pull away from the old. That's the first big point. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to do things a new way, if you're going to have a chance to do it right, you've got to pull away from the old. And that's what's hard for people. You, you, you get stuck with the old and you can't pull away from the old friends, the old habits, the old routines. Secondly, the new wine will burst the, the skins. That's the, the second thing a leader will, must understand. So these are amazing observations that should, that, you should, that should concern any leader, anybody who wants to change. You have to first understand that the new will pull away from the old. The new will pull away from the old. That's part of the process. Number two, the new wine will burst the skins, he says. So if you, pick, if you take, take wine, right, and you, and you put, take an old wine skin and you pour new wine in it, the wine's going to expand and it's going to burst. The, the point he's making is the new can't connect with the old without bursting it. That's why sometimes when you see uh, you're trying to change something in an organization, and you come in with a new vision, with an old mindset of people, and you pour it in there, it just explodes. It doesn't work. Because the third thing happens. It ends up ruined. If you try to take the new wine, and you try to put the old wine in, I'm sorry, you take the old wine skins and the new wine, it just ruins everything. The bottom line is, you can't have change. That's the point of it all. You can't have change. You're going to have to change all the way. Now, if you if you can just embrace that, that's what the struggle today in our in, in this digital age. Matter of fact, some of you right now are struggling with online. I don't like online. I don't like digital. Well, you're here. Sorry. You're here. Let me put all this in a statement. that might help a little bit. Make sure you follow me. Watch this. Things are ruined when we do not embrace change and pull away from old approaches. 
things are ruined when we do not embrace change and pull away from old approaches. Some old approaches just will not work. Running from the digital age, running from what's new, running from this season is not going to work. One of the problems with fighting the, the, if you're watching this during pandemic season where we're fighting the coronavirus, some of you are watching it post that and I always say, God bless you, you made it through. One of the problems we're having is we're trying to fight without having a new attitude. We're fighting a new enemy with an old attitude and that's why we're losing. You lose the fight because you don't fight with the new reality. You have to fight the fight you're in, not the fight you want to be in. And this is, this is what it requires if you're going to live in a new world. I'm in a new season. Some of you, when you leave high school, you go to college, now your study habits have to be different. Now you can't go hang out. Now you can't stay on the phone all day. You have homework. You have deadlines. You have to, you have to face the world you're in. You're married now. You have children. You cannot hang out like that. You can't talk like that. You can't wash clothes once a week. Too many clothes. You got to wash them all the time. You got to have a better schedule. You got to change your routine. You got to change the way you got to pick up stuff and hang it up in the closet. If you don't, the house is going to be a mess. You have to change your habits. You have to change your eating habits, your body. You're gaining weight. Right. Right. You're not you're not healthy. I have to watch what I eat. I have to be more careful because at 62, it's I, I have to watch it. I have to watch all my numbers. Pay attention. And that's part of my new reality. So I have to come to this new season with a new attitude. That's what he means by new wine, new wineskins. You can't have the old approaches and, 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 and win. You can't. Not, not today. So here's a question. What will you pull away from that will eventually burst and be ruined? What will you pull away from? What, 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 what is it that you won't stop? If you won't, and you're never going to get it right. You're never going to get it right if you don't stop. You're never going to get it right ever, 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 ever. The chance to make better choices, to be smart, to do things in a different way. It's not going to happen if you don't embrace the season you're in. We're in a new season. Overcoming by faith ministry is in a new season and it must embrace it. And it can't bring an old, 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 old plan to the table. We need new wine, new wineskins, new approaches. I need new ways to connect with you. New ways to reach young people, new ways to reach teenagers. And let me tell you, it's wearing people out because they don't have the energy to do it, the bandwidth. But if you really want to be successful in your business, you're going to have to change the way you do business. You have to change the way you think, the way you think. And you're going to sit there and, you know, I can't wait till we get back. Back to what? Where are you going back to? You're going forward. Forgetting those things that are behind you. It's never, look at Pastor Ricky and listen to me. It's never going to be exactly the way it was. It can't be. It's not going to be the same. People aren't going to be the same. Some people are never going to be okay with you coughing in front of them. Some people are never going to be okay with you sitting that close to them saying, tell your neighbor how you feel. They say, you better get back. You better be telling me nothing. People are changing. Their attitude's changing. Some people, some people, this is really hard to hear, but this is true. Some people will never go back into a church building without being nervous. They'll, they'll, they'll never they'll never see you cough in your hand and then shake their hand like people have done. Talk about the catching and healing in Jesus name. A lot of that's gone. New wine, new wineskins. If you run from it, you will lose. You will lose if you insist on it. And I'm watching people struggle 
And I understand the struggle. I'm, I get it. I struggle. You struggle, Pastor Rick? Yeah, I struggle. I struggle with new sometimes. I struggle. I struggle with it. And if I'm not careful, I'm tempted to be unwise. I'm tempted to ignore the truth. So let me show you Matthew chapter four, verse five. Jesus comes to this conversation with the devil, Matthew five. And in this conversation, there is this incredible moment where he is. Um, he's tempted to be unwise. He's tempted to make a decision that doesn't advance his goals at all. And all of us have been there. Listen to this text, Matthew chapter four, verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Notice that throw yourself down. I'm not going to push you. Throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands that you will watch this now so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Wow. This is an example of a temptation that we all face. Let's just take a chance. Let's just take a risk that's unnecessary. There's something about avoiding an unnecessary risk. In the name of faith, in the name of I believe God. And there's no reason to take that level of risk. There's no reason. He quotes Psalm 91 as an example. Okay, jump off this cliff and, and God will help you. God will be with you if you just jump off this cliff. So have you ever been thrown? Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever thrown yourself down? Have you ever done something like this? Have you ever been tempted to do something that absolutely has no connection to wisdom? You're going to start a business. You have no capital. You have no money. And you have no advice. You haven't asked anybody. You're just going to go do it by faith. You're throwing yourself down. You're just going to marry them anyway. You ignore what you see. You're just going to throw yourself down. You're just going to do it. You're just going to start a church no matter what. No advice. No, no, you're going to do it yourself. Have you ever been tempted to make God prove himself to you? You're going to do it just to prove. I'm going to prove God. I'm going to throw a fleece out. And I'm going to say, God, if you God, I command you. I believe that. You know, see, see you, you're in trouble already. <laughs> Don't do that. I like the fact that there's this moment where he said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to jump off this temple to prove anything to you. That's unwise. A lot of things that we do, it's just unwise. It's just not smart thinking. And, and if I'm honest, there are things I've done that were unwise. Unwise. As a pastor, as a person, as a father, as a husband, I've done unwise things. I've had to learn. And now I have a chance to do things right. And so do you. In the midst of this season, you have a chance to learn from your mistakes and do a better job. Here's the third thing he said that I think is interesting. Have you have you ever been tempted to believe God will save you if you are intentionally foolish? Have you ever been tempted? Lord's going to say, Lord's going to save me. Lord, Lord's going to be with me. He will supply all my needs. If I'm foolish, he'll, he'll, he, I, nobody's going to repossess my house. Nobody's going to take my car. I, I command it in Jesus name. And, and so you've got this idea in your head that's totally untrue. Totally untrue. There are good people right now who are watching me who say, yeah, you know, you, I was one of those people, Pastor Rick. I've been unwise. I've been unwise in the way I deal with people, the way I communicate. And sometimes that feeds into the circumstances in your life. Because I've, 
I'm not, I've not really applied myself properly. So now I have a chance to do it right. I have a chance to think right. I have a chance to, in this new world, make different changes. There are going to be people that are going to be very successful in the future. There are people that are going to be, become millionaires and billionaires. There are people that are going to make, discover things, create things. We're not finished creating and doing and building. We're not finished. It's not, we're not done yet. The question is, will you be one of those people? And I'm not just talking about the money part of it. I'm talking about just, just being happy. There's somebody right now that's going to be happy in the world tomorrow. Why, why not make it you? Why not make a different decision so you can have a better choice? It's all about saying I want to be wise. But it all starts with one key thing. Listening. <laughs> listening. It's simple, isn't it? Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 24. Simple statements that can change your life. Ready? Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, if everyone who hears the, these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. Boom. Yes. You, you know, here's what, here's what we can believe as a Christian, that we can't crash. I don't believe that. I think we can crash emotionally. If we're not wise, I think we can, make, we can crash mentally, financially. Churches crash, close all the time. Thousands of people are disappointed with Christian organizations because they crash right in front of them. Morally crash. Why? Because they don't listen. Are you a listener? You got to listen to somebody. You can't know everything. You can't be a voice of God to everybody. Some of you in this prophet, and I'm going to say this, I'm any harm, so just hang with me. You're such a prophet. You're such, a, you're, such a, you're such an anointed person. You don't listen to anybody in your family, in your house. You don't listen to anybody. And I don't believe that God called you to come to this place of know-it-all-ism. There's a word. I, I made that up. It's know-it-all-ism. It just sounds good, right? Well, you just know everything. And you're not you're not looking at the details of your life. You sit there in your house. And you know the dynamics and the challenges you face. You blame the devil for everything. And you never pause and say, could I be here because I've just been unwise? Could I have these aches in my body because I've been unwise the way I manage my body? Could I could this could this place look like this because I've been unwise? Could it be that I have no friends because I've been unwise? When I have friends, I'm in their business. I borrow money. I don't pay back. I, and my life is just everywhere. I need to pause and be wise. Am I depressed and suicidal because I've been unwise? Unwise. It's not, it's not the devil. It's just I made bad choices. There's something about me getting up in the morning early enough to get dressed so that I can be where I need to be on time. That's wisdom. Wisdom. Wise, being wise, it's being smart. Maybe it's time to just live smart. You're having trouble in school because you don't study. You spend all your time on the phone talking to Bubba and Susie May. They're not going to pay you. You need to be wise with your time, your life. This is your life. You have 48 months to get yourself out of this school, folks. You have, okay, some of you say 60 months. That's a lot more money. But you need to pause and say, I need to get focused. Because if you're not careful, what you do is you don't succeed because you are not wise. When the rains come and the winds come and all those troubles come, and that's part of life. 
the rains and the winds and the challenges and the pandemics, they come. This is not the only one that will come. If you read the Bible, read Revelations. It's a lot of this stuff. Earthquakes and diverse places. Bible talked about all this. Jesus talked about it. As it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said they'll be partying until the rain falls. You know, in Noah's day when the flood came, they was dancing until the rain came. What's that message? Drip on my head. Oh, they was partying until the rain came. They didn't pay any attention to Noah until the rain came. Don't you be that person. That's unwise. Save you some money. Build you some assets. Change your life. Stop, Stop abusing yourself and pause. And stop acting and using the Bible in church as an excuse. I'm just going to go to the house of God. You need to look. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Have mercy. Make me dance here. You need to worry about fixing this thing. That's why maybe God kicked us out the building somewhat. You have to focus. This is this is he lives in here. Not just in some building with some preacher preaching to you. He lives inside of you. And if you don't start being wise in here, going there is not going to make you right. Going there is not going to make you better. I'm not against going there. I got a church with a lot of people. I'm not saying there's something wrong with the building. I'm simply saying there's something wrong with us and our thinking. Jesus lives inside of us. We need to invite him into our attitude, into our words, into our attitude, into the the, the language we use. (sighs) My God, help us. But sometimes we don't listen. There's a book I want to quote, and I'm going to. Step into a historical look back through time for a minute. I read a book recently and it's called um, 10 Lessons from a Post-Pandemic World by Fareed Zakaria. Now, in this in this book, and, and I read a lot. Some of you might say, well, is, 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 he, is he a Bible believing Christian? You stop all that. You need to learn something. God didn't. This is not about I'm not giving a theological lesson. I'm giving a life history lesson right now. I've not talked about the Bible enough. You got you got a lot of Bible today, but I'm going to give you something that might help you. In this book, he talks about post pandemic life. And I just love I love the audible audible version. Sometimes I buy both and I listen to it. And sometimes when you you read more, read broadly, I I probably I read a lot of the Bible, but I'm I'm a broad reader because I want to think. I want to think. Here's what he said. It's important. Uh, he said um, in, in the book, 10 Lessons uh, uh, from a Post-Pandemic World, he, he talked about um, how Europe ignored wise counsel and saw millions die because they didn't listen to wise counsel. Here's a quote. Norman Angles, best-selling book, The Great Illusion, argued that the major European countries had become so interdependent that starting a war would evidently be self-defeating. Angle was right. That war would prove costly and counterproductive, but Europe decided to run the experiment nonetheless. Four blood-soaked years later, 20 million people had died and Europe's intertwined economy lay in ruins. Four vast multinational empires, the Russian, Austro, Austro-Hungarian, Ottoman or Turkish, and German had collapsed. The war set off economic and political whirlwinds, bringing communism to Russia, fascism or dictatorship to Germany and Italy. Then came the depression and another even bloodier war was World War II. By many measures, it took some 60 years for the global trade and travel to return to the peak they reached before World War I. Pause. 
Because we didn't listen, we end up in World War I. Some of you are too young to remember that, but 20 million people died. You know, one of the problems with us sometimes is you just don't know what happened before, so you keep doing the same thing over and over again. His point in the book is they didn't listen. They, it, it didn't make sense. We were all prior to World War I. In the early 1900s, we were so interdependent upon each other and the countries. This, but this, the way the war broke out was foolish over the, the assassination of some guy. And then it'd be World War One. Just went all, you look at it. Look it up. It's ridiculous. So it becomes this incredible, ridiculous reason for 20 million people to die. And one when then another war after that, where, you know, it's ridiculous. How in the world could we possibly not listen? Well, we're here again, and we're not listening. And we're making decisions that are not wise. And, there, and lately, I, I want to talk about five decisions, unwise decisions that I think our nation has made recently. And that's because we're not listening. Number one. The handling of the pandemic. <laughs> we all should have listened and agreed upon one single plan and fought the virus together. And again, if you're watching this post the pandemic, COVID-19, God bless you. You made it through. But we made a decision to let all 50 states figure it out themselves. And there's no co coordinated effort. A house divided doesn't win. It's not just it's not. This is why your families are struggling. You got four, four folks. You live in four raggedy houses and, and you all got a little bit of money instead of all coming together like they do in several countries and and pool your resources, lay aside your differences and build wealth together. You can't do that. You're so divided. So you're all going to be broke. Four raggedy cars, four, four broke houses. Everybody's divided. Or one person's they got everything. And they just looking at everybody with nothing. See, y'all should have been like me. You should do like I do. I work hard for my stuff. Yeah, yeah, watch yourself. If you're not careful, you're not even willing to help a cousin or an uncle or nobody. And I'm not saying that you need to all go and demand that they give you what they earn when you are not willing to participate yourself. So you got to be careful because people take that the wrong way. Because some of you say, that's right. I know cousin Bob need to give me some of that money. You need to have a better attitude. Maybe Bob's not helping you because of your attitude. Maybe Pause and think. But notice that for a minute. This divide approach with the pandemic has been disastrous. We need to work together. Number two, the handling of the poor. We need to create an economy that does not enslave the poor. We need to care about people that don't have what I have. I'm blessed. I've been fortunate. God's been good to me. Say I'm blessed for whatever reasons. Ricky Temple, you're so good. That's not the point. I need to care about people who don't have what I have. Number three, the handling of the political environment. <laughs> Do you really think the world is divided into Republicans and Democrats in America? You think that's where it, no, it's, we're, we're, we're Americans. And it's when we hear each other for real. And Christians, you, you got to be careful now. You, 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 you got to be careful. You've taken a position and you quote it, call it voting the Bible. You vote the Bible because you, you got it all sewed up. No other, no other interpretation or hermeneutic is even reasonable. None. Rick Temple, can I ask you a question? 
Let's just get down to it then, since you're going to bring that up. I can't vote for nobody, Pastor Ricky Temple, who is for abortion. I just can't do it. So what you what you think I ought to do? I got two bad choices. Or what should I do? I can't vote for somebody who's going to celebrate somebody who's who's who live in the gay lifestyle. So what should I do? Should I just uh, ignore my convictions? The Bible says Romans chapter one. And you got your verses and you're ready to go and you're ready to shoot now. Wow. OK, here's what the Bible said. OK, I got you. Time out. Can I call time out for a minute? Jesus lived in a world with people that he didn't agree with. He lived in the world where they didn't just abort babies. They killed people by the thousands, 5,000 every month in the, in the arena alone. It's horrible. I am not trying to say you have to change your convictions. I'm just saying you got to be a nicer person to deal with. I'm just saying you can't you can't do certain things. You can't storm the Capitol. You can't do certain things. You can't you can't you cannot ignore that you live in a world with people. Here's what gets families in trouble. You act like because you are a Christian and these people are what you would define as not Christian, that you have a right to go to war with them. That you have a war to fight. You, that, that's somehow that, that's the way you deal with it, that you take a political. But the weapons of my warfare, he said, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. You don't use carnal methods necessarily to control everything. No, there's no there's no political party that has a historical uh, corner on righteousness. Go back in time. You want to go back in time? It was the Democrats who enslaved us. And there's a Republican president, Lincoln, who who signed the, the, the declaration to freed us as black folks. It was not the Democrats. And then the Republicans switched gears and they allowed the Democrats to bring in Jim Crow. They allowed all that stuff. Ain't nobody, nobody has, nobody, no, Repub no party in this, in this country, no party in this country. The Democrats came up with the rules and the Republicans joined in and had mass incarceration of African-Americans and other people around the United States. That, that blood's on both hands. So let, me, let me tell you something. You, you don't have a right to stand someplace now like you know. You can't, I, listen, I am, I am just for the record, I am very conservative in some of my views. But I am also clear that I don't get to rule everything. I don't get to dominate everybody. And make politics my Lord. It's not Jesus died for me. Nobody else died for me. And some of you need to hear me. Donald Trump didn't die for you. Neither did, neither did Biden. Jesus died for you. And you need to get your, your, your theology straight. And you need to focus your mind on what Jesus said. And focus on what you're called to. Win the world. You're not going to always be politically correct. You may be wrong. And you need to pause and think about that. The white man that's struggling needs my love. And the black man that's struggling needs my love. The black woman that's struggling needs my love. And the white man that's struggling. And the Indian man needs my love. Everybody, the Asian man needs my love. Why are you taking positions where you're picking sides and acting like you belong to some group? You need to fall on your knees and ask God to help you remember what you call to be a Christian. It's a mistake. And it will it will it will turn on us. And they will not like us. And you may say you don't care. Just remember that. Eighty percent of people already don't go to church. Look at the stats. Eighty percent. The Southern Baptists is having the biggest decline in their history. And it's not just them. It's across the board. 
money's going down. Now you can't. Most of you meet in your buildings. You're struggling. Let me tell you something. When crisis like this happens, pay attention. God could be firing people. God could be, if you read the Bible, God could be saying, you know, he said in Revelations, I'll remove your candlestick. I'll make it hard for you. You won't be able to build your buildings. You won't be able to do the things you want to do because you've allowed politics to become your God. You need to be careful. You need to watch yourself. You, we're walking into some areas where it's dangerous now. And I believe that, you know, the words of Jeremiah are very true and the words of Isaiah are very true. My people have forsaken my way. You know, I love people. They quote this verse. I know I'm rambling for a minute, but no, I'm not rambling. I'm preaching. I'm telling you something good. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. They love this verse. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. We stop right there. If, if we just pray, that's not all they said. And turn from their wicked ways. If my people, not 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 the ungodly people, if my people would turn from their wicked ways. This season is revealing our wickedness. It's showing me where we're weak and where we've not. We've taught the Bible. We've had conferences forever. We've had tapes. We've got books. We've got all this stuff. We've got publishing houses. We've got songs. We've got worship leaders. We've got all this stuff. We've got all this music. We've got everything. But at the end of the day, we should not be this wicked. At the end of the day, there's no reason for us to, to act this way. And let me tell you what I believe is important for us to pause for a minute and say, I can't be this way. I've done that. I've done that. I've had to do that. I've had conversations with, with my wife. I said, we temple back up the train, back up the train, back up the train, back up yourself. Pause here for a minute, boy. Who do you represent? This issue is not worth that kind of temperament and tone. You need to pause yourself, Mr. Ricky Temple. And sometimes you need to pause yourself. Say your name. Put your name in there. You're too mad. You're too angry. You're out of control. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah, right there. Hallelujah. Let me close this out. The way we've handled power, the handling of the pandemic, the handling of the poor, the handling of the political environment, the handling of power, not done well with that. I've said this a lot. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. We got to manage power better. Leaders have to manage their power right. And lastly, the handling of truth, even if it hurts. Isaiah chapter five, verse 20. I'll leave you with this verse. It's really an interesting verse. Isaiah five said this, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Yeah, we need to pause. Thank you for the extra few minutes today. I took a minute to say some things I needed to say to you. We're going to be all right. We're going to rise from this season. We're going to rise through all of this, all the political stuff. We're going to rise through all this and we're going to be OK. But we got to we got to listen. We got to do things differently. It's a chance to do things differently. And we have to learn how to say one big word going forward. No, that's the new word. Next week, I'm going to talk about that. The new wine of no. <laughs> That's right. The ability to say no changes everything. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus in verse eight just looked at the devil and said, no. We'll talk about that next week. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the grace of God upon us. Help us to think through what we've talked about. Let us rise. Let us change. Let us learn to say no. Let us learn to make wise choices and do things right the right way. 
And I pray for people who are listening to this sermon today and they say, I need Jesus in my life. Pastor, what you said spoke to me and I need to give God my life. And so may this be the day they surrender their life to Jesus and say, no, no more of this. Some Christians are going to repent today and say, I've been I've been off the cliff. I've been too far. I need to balance out truth. I need to stop this. Jesus died for me, not the politicians. We need to pray for them. Pray for those who are in authority, you said. But to never forget what we stand for, what we stand for, the gospel, the good news. That's what the word evangelical even means. It's got to be good news. It's not a political party. It's good news. And we need to get back to the gospel, the message of Jesus, of love and caring for everybody, the poor, the rich, everybody, the moral, the immoral. We are here to love everybody, to speak the truth in love to those that lead us and to not be afraid to do that. We thank you for this opportunity in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I pray you were listening today. I pray that it inspired you to listen. That's one of the biggest keys to ever changing things in your life, to doing things right, to making better choices. And once you listen, you have to say, I'm going to apply this. I want to learn from history. I want to learn from all the mistakes of those around me, those who made mistakes during terrible seasons in our history. What can I learn from those who made mistakes during the pandemic? What can we learn from history, the wars we fought? What can we learn from slavery? What can we learn from, the, from marriages that broke up? Take a moment and look at those experiences and say, what can I learn from them? You'd be surprised you learn how to do things right the next time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share on demand. I pray that it is blessed and lifted the lives of those who are watching. May this be a time for them, Lord, to grow and become stronger in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, love you. Be praying for you. Thank you for watching On Demand. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.